0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich.
1: We're going to continue to watch what consumers are doing, not what they're saying, and we might end up with, you know, a 7% increase in consumer spending annualized in Q4. Uh, that's certainly what the consensus GDP numbers are telling us. Let's call it maybe somewhere in the 6 to 7% range. That's a really strong number that suggests maybe not getting too nervous about some of those surveys. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. I am your host for today, Jeff Bookbinder. I am pleased to be joined by Scott Brown, uh, down in Charlotte. Scott is going to infuse this podcast with a little youthful energy today. Uh, Ryan is, um, is, is traveling for the holidays and is getting a much deserved week off. Scott, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Jeff. It's my uh, second time on the Market Signals podcast, so I'm pretty stoked for that. I'm glad to glad to be invited back.
1: Well, looking forward to a great discussion here. So uh, um, let's let's jump right in here. Um, we're gonna do a market update as we always do. Um, you know, Scott, your background is is in technical analysis, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing your your take on this more volatile action uh, that we've seen lately. Um, And then we've got a discussion about what the Fed's hawkish pivot means uh, for um, investors, particularly looking at some of the asset classes and sectors. Uh, We'll also talk about Omicron. Of course, that's in the news a lot here lately with very rapid spread. Uh, The question is, will that spoil the Santa Claus rally? Uh, Then we'll dissect the rally in defensive stocks, which have actually been performing very well lately. Uh, Finally, we'll conclude with um, a quick look ahead. So let's start, Scott, with the um, the S&P 500. I mentioned we've seen some volatility. Probably most of it is around uh, Omicron, uh, but you've also got some Fed jitters here. Uh, Not a huge pullback, but we did see um, the three-day decline was the biggest that we've seen since September. Uh, As a technician, when you look at this chart, what do you see?
2: Yeah, so we we brought a little bit more technical chart, and you're right. We haven't had much of a pullback, and we don't see a huge change to the intermediate term structure of the chart. The S&P 500 is still above a rising 200-day moving average. To us, that's an uptrend. But if you want to get really, really tactical, what we see is a lot of sellers stepping in to sell stocks around the 4,700 level. That's that kind of red dashed line. It's where we got to in early November. And if you look on an intraday basis, we've probably tested that level about a dozen times over the past two months. And every time stocks get up there, they seem to fall just right back down. We also look at momentum in the bottom panel. It's kind of a measure of the speed of the move. And when it's diverging, it's going the opposite direction of price. It can be a little bit of a short-term warning sign. And that's what we've seen also play out over the past six weeks or so is the momentum making some lower highs, basically saying, hey, maybe the conviction on buyers part really isn't there just below 4,700. So it just seems like we're going to take a little bit of a pause, but you're right. We haven't broken down. We haven't undercut the late November, early December lows. Uh, And we're bouncing big today. Markets are up about a percent here to start Tuesday morning. So I think we're just kind of taking a pause, consolidation, and maybe even, hopefully set up for that Santa Claus rally that I know we're going to talk a little bit more about later today.
1: Yeah, that Santa Claus rally period starts, uh, starts soon. I guess there's some disagreement about whether it starts now or maybe it starts in a couple of days, but uh, as we'll see in an upcoming chart here, uh, the back half of December certainly tends to be uh, seasonally strong, just um, not a great start <laughs> to the back half of December. Uh, this year Certainly, um, if we could get some good news with the Omicron uh, virus variant here, uh, that will help us out. So the uh, thanks for that, Scott. The other uh, source of volatility has been um, the Fed and central banks. Last week, we had Central Bank of Palooza with 20 major global banks uh, having policy meetings. We, uh, of course, focus mostly on the Fed as do uh, global investors. And we got a hawkish pivot so I um, wanted to talk about, you know, what potential implications uh, investors may see. Uh, here you're looking at the dot plots. <clears throat> All this really says is that the Fed expects to, rate, to, to hike rates sooner uh, based on the committee. This is an actual policy. It is just marking every individual uh, Fed officials' expectation for where rate hikes will be in the future. Uh, the dark line is the most recent view, and the lighter colored line is the previous view. And you see here it's shifted up. Uh, so, you know, what does that mean in terms of when we can expect a rate hike? Well, it we don't know for sure. But it likely means we're going to get a rate hike in the middle of next year. Here you see the updated uh, pricing of Fed rate hikes. Uh, by uh, by the fixed income markets. Uh, the number of hikes column on the left uh, shows you that in December of 2022, the market is pricing in 2.6 hikes. So that means the market is closer to three than two. So, um, and that frankly is a big change from a few months ago when the market was pricing in somewhere between one and two. So my question for you, Scott, is uh, do you think they'll actually do three uh, next year um, or not? And and when might they start?
2: We'll see. So the market odds have you know May to June, as you mentioned, kind of first half of the year is probably when that first hike. Though we certainly had uh, I believe a Fed governor come out and say March was live for for discussion. Our our view is we think more likely to be two. We kind of have to see how inflation readings go uh, in the first half of next year. But I think what the market is saying is that it's going to be tough to do much more than three. I mean, the market is kind of pricing in a mistake, maybe a repeat of the 2017-2018 time period, because we've seen the yield curve flattening. And so the market seems a little bit nervous that the Fed is going to do what it's done over the history is be a little bit too aggressive. So we'll we'll kind of see you're right. It got about a 60% chance of Actually getting to three, I think our base case is a little bit closer to two. Start getting up to three or certainly even looking at the possibility of four, which is priced in. Uh, and I think the market odds of a really uh, policy mistake and uh, in inverting the yield curve, that becomes a real story for the second half of 2022.
1: Yeah, that that yield curve is going to be really important to watch. It puts a ceiling on how many rate hikes we're going to get. Uh, the Fed does not want to invert the yield curve, which has been a very effective signal for recessions. Sometimes those recessions don't come for a couple of years after the inversion. Sometimes they come quicker, uh, but um, they almost always come. So uh, that'll be something they'll be very careful with. So maybe the good news for investors in terms of a broad market outlook is that now that that shift has occurred, a hawkish shift from here is unlikely. And so uh, we think the market's pretty much priced in about as hawkish as it's going to get, especially with ongoing COVID risk. Um, you know, the, this this chart, I think, is, is a really great way to maybe calm some Fed fears. The Fed, of course, can create some volatility in the short term. But if you look back, this chart was in our um, 2022 Outlook publication. If you look back at history, how do stocks do in the, a uh, year before the start of Fed rate hikes, they're up every time, nine for nine with an average gain of about 15%. So sure there are some wiggles in these lines, but um, you know this is certainly a reason to expect stocks to move higher. We took another look at this just uh, taking a six month period because now we might be six months away uh, from the initial rate hike if it comes in June. Uh, and there that you know, you see the same kind of picture, the S&P 500 up over 10% on average. This only takes the, the last six cycles. We didn't have sector data before that. Uh, but um, if you look at the last six cycles, you're up um, on average over 10%. Uh, wanted to also point out that the cyclical value sectors historically have done pretty well uh, during this period leading up to Fed rate hikes. Now every cycle is different. So we're not necessarily uh, recommending a big value bet here. Um, but um, you know, keep this in mind that um, if we do see uh, a strong economic backdrop leading into the summer, uh, you could potentially see some periods where value stocks um, do better. But at the same time, you know, Scott, you've been talking about this quite a bit in some of our uh, investment committee meetings. The technical picture for, for the growth sectors uh, right now, you think actually looks better.
2: Yeah, at least for technology, um, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting about 2022 is we've just seen rotation, rotation, rotation uh, within all the different sectors and styles and even market cap uh, within U.S. equities. Uh, but technology is really the only sector to hit a 52-week relative high within the past several months, and most of the other sectors on a relative basis just overall look kind of trendless. So there's more short-term opportunities, but there haven't been a lot of great trends or plays that have worked out for the duration of the year. So we'll continue to monitor some of those sectors. Real estate, the reopen um, stocks within real estate look really strong. Financials are still hanging in there on a relative basis. But I think you know these last two charts are, are really great because as a technician, we always try and look back at market history, There's always worries about the yield curve and what is the Fed going to do, but it's pretty clear from those charts that stocks don't actually do that bad leading up to the first rate hike. Now, we start getting several rate hikes in, I think then maybe if the yield curve at the long end hasn't moved up, maybe you have some concerns. But leading up to that first rate hike, it seems pretty clear uh, that stocks tend to do pretty well.
1: Absolutely. Um, We're big fans of looking back at history for uh, similar environments and, um, you know, history certainly doesn't always repeat, but as Ryan often says, it rhymes. So, um, this environment is different, you know, than many of those cycles. I mean, the biggest reason why it's different I would say is because interest rates are so low. And so when you have low interest rates, uh, and, you know, connected to that, uh, a pretty flat yield curve right now, that actually tends to be better for growth. Plus of course, it's a great, um, earnings environment for a lot of the growth stocks that have thrived during the pandemic. So, you know, kind of a mixed picture when you put fundamentals and technicals together, uh, but certainly possible that, you know, value does a little bit better than it's certainly done in recent years. So here's, here's for me, the highlight of this podcast, you know, Ryan's not here so I can beat up on him. We talked about our fantasy football matchup on the last podcast. And I just wanted to say that, you know, the, the cream rises to the top. And you see here, I know Scott, you weren't following this closely, but it was a miraculous comeback. Uh, You know, you see the, um, you know, the scores by day, Ryan had that early lead. And then just right at the, you know, that last last game of the week, uh, the Rams game on Monday night, um, the better team pulled ahead and secured victory. I also, again, want to ask people to look at the record, my team hanging with my homies nine and five, Ryan's four and ten. So um clearly um the, the better team won. So maybe Ryan will answer to that um when he's back with us next time, which I think will be in January. But um just wanted to celebrate that. I know everyone listening is was very interested to hear how that game played out. So Scott, you're not a big uh fantasy football guy, I know anymore, but um I'm sure you were glad to see me come out on top of that one.
2: Yeah, it looks like the um, the better team definitely won based on the record. You're right. I, I haven't played fantasy football in a couple of years. I used to be really into it, you know, multiple teams. Uh, and I just realized that I have enough things to make me angry on a Sunday watching the Carolina Panthers. I don't need the Cleveland Browns wide receiver dropping a pass late in the afternoon to ruin my day. And so I'm about three years Uh, fantasy football sober for that reason though you're right I mean the worst team sometimes will come out on top win the championship so I am glad to see you won, Jeff
1: awesome no thanks thanks for that I'm still recovering from some bad losses in previous years so um, I totally get the frustrations I mean it's been particularly hard this year Um, but yes the the better team uh, uh, definitely won and I'm I'm glad that I, I have a couple teams still alive so um let's let's transition from that. Uh you know, it wouldn't be an LPL Market Singles podcast with a little nod to Ryan though. Um let's transition to the, the Omicron story, right? Will this stop the Santa Claus rally? You know, I've always been taught that the Santa Claus rally is the last five trading days of the year and then the first two of the following year. Uh, so we haven't even started that yet, but it's coming soon. Maybe today is the start of, of that. Um but look what we started the week with, right? Omicron headlines everywhere. The Dow was down over 600 points at one point before pairing those losses. I pulled a bunch of these, right? You know, Stocks tumble, oil plunges, Omicron fears way. Stocks sell off on Omicron fears. So much for a quiet Christmas week, right? And on and on. Um, there's actually some pretty negative sentiment out there. If you look at investor surveys, uh, you lo- I know you follow these, Scott. If you look at, um, you know, like the CNN Fear and Greed Index, the American Association of Individual Investors Survey, and other sentiment measures, there- there's caution. And that may, you know, load us up for the next move higher.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great point, Jeff. And we want to be, you know, crystal clear about what we're saying here. We're not saying that Omicron itself is a market positive. There's, you know, clear negative implications but all these headlines that are up on the screen those are a positive because we definitely look at sentiment from a contrarian standpoint we tend to see stocks do better when there's a lot of uncertainty when then there's a lot of worry and that's kind of been the story of 2021 as we've had these 4 to 5% pullbacks suddenly fearful headlines everybody everybody gets really scared and then the market pops right back up to all-time highs we actually You know, we get concerned when everybody's steadfastly bullish. I think it's pretty clear that that's not what we have right now. And so Omicron, from that perspective, providing a little bit of a fear, S&P 500 is only 3 to 4% off those all-time highs, really just hanging out, taking a pause. And so you're right. I think this could set us up. We're kind of seeing a rally today. Uh, I, I for one, will tell you I'm firmly with you. The Santa Claus rally does not begin until Monday. It's the last five days. Of the uh, trading year and the first two of the next year, we know that the whole second half of December, yes, it's historically strong. But I, I'm a stickler for that Santa Claus rally and and its true definition. We aren't there yet, but I think the pullback we've had gives us a chance for Santa Claus to still come this year.
1: I like the precision there. Let, let's be let's be consistent. Um, so even though we're talking about the last five days of the year, uh, as um, as Ryan has highlighted recently. Uh, the positive seasonals actually come uh, in the second half of December. So, you know, here you're looking at a chart. This is average December performance broken up by whether you have uh, an up November or down November. If you have down November like we had this year, you actually see a stronger December. That's the orange line up at the top, you know, two plus percent gains. Uh, But even in just an average uh, December, you see that really strong move uh, from the middle of the month. So that's been a little bit delayed, uh, but we still think this can happen. Of course, uh, Omicron is going to be a big wild card. But based on what we've seen thus far, uh, you know, in terms of mild cases, in terms of the uh, effectiveness of the vaccines, particularly the, the three-shot regimen with the booster, uh, it we have reason to believe that even though uh, Omicron is uh, very, very transmissible, that we'll be able to move through this without um, a lot of severe illness and that we will not see the overcrowding in hospitals that will potentially lead to lockdowns. There is no political tolerance for lockdowns again, so we don't think we're gonna go there even though we have seen some pretty tight restrictions in Europe, in particular in the Netherlands uh, and I think Austria. So uh, we don't see that here. Uh, we have a playbook, we know how to get through this. Uh, certainly some people will change their behavior a bit, maybe not be quite so, um, let's say mobile, maybe holiday shopping, you know, gets tamped down just a bit, uh, but frankly, um, you know, we see still a pretty good economic um, environment here and, and strong enough, even with this uh, variant to um, to drive, you um, stocks higher Did, how does that sound to you Scott you think we've got a good enough backdrop here to push us higher over the next couple of weeks
2: I do and I think one thing that people don't realize this podcast is called market signals and a lot of what I try and do is you know find those market signals one kind of proxy or a couple of proxies we've looked at throughout the year uh, there's an airlines ETF there's also a travel and leisure ETF so you've got you know online booking agencies hotels things like that. Most people don't realize, here we are recording this on December 21st, most of those stocks, most of the airline, the travel and leisure stocks, actually bottomed in early December. They're only slightly higher, but I think people don't realize they're actually quietly outperforming over the past couple of days. We actually saw a bunch of these stocks up Friday and Monday, even though the broad market was selling off. You know, Maybe there's still some concerns about what the Fed is going to do in 2022, uh, but based on those market signals, actually a little bit skeptical that so much of the recent weakness is really due to Omicron.
1: Couldn't agree more. Yeah, here's a uh, here's a reason to be comfortable with the risk. I mean, of course, there's uncertainty. And and so, you, you know, it's hard to have too much confidence in this. But we have not seen in South Africa where Omicron was first discovered. We have not seen. New cases lead to hospitalizations in, in any sort of meaningful way. A little bit of an uptick in hospitalizations and certainly by all accounts, uh, more among the unvaccinated. But look at this disconnect here. A huge increase in cases, right, 22,000 per day and um, a small increase in, in uh, hospitalizations. So this is encouraging. Um, we obviously don't know for sure if this is going to translate over to the U.S. where we're still early. Uh, but Omicron is according to the CDC, 73 percent of spread of, of the cases. And so um, to still not see, uh, it takes a little time, but to still not see the spike in hospitalizations is still very encouraging. Um, there are certainly some pockets of the uh, the country where you know hospitals are overcrowded. We don't want to minimize the health impact here. But um, you know, in terms of the economic and market outlook, we don't see lockdowns. Therefore, we think we can continue to see solid economic growth. The data has been very good lately. In fact, um, the consensus economic growth forecast for the fourth quarter on Bloomberg is now 6%. That's up a point over the last month. Uh, and uh, the Atlanta Fed GDP tracker is even higher than that. So we think we still got a solid economic, Foundation, we could see a good holiday shopping season. It's already started off really strong. Uh, potentially making a run at a 10% increase. The National Retail Federation uh forecast for holiday shopping is up between eight and a half and ten and a half percent. Maybe 10 given Omicron is a little too uh, optimistic, but certainly something north of um eight and a half is is probably doable and would be a really good number. So um, we're still optimistic here about the economic and market outlook, just certainly we have um, near-term uncertainty to fight through. So the, the last segment here um, we want to talk about is the the fact that these less volatile or defensive stocks have, have done well. And I know, Scott, you've talked a lot about this uh, internally uh, with the LPL research team. You know, we've seen... Real estate do really well. Actually, a sector that we really like and have liked for a while. Uh, we've seen utilities over the last month. Utilities and staples have led, <clears throat> done really well. Some people fear that that's a sign of weakness ahead. So, you know, talk folks off the ledge. why, why should we look at those defensive sectors uh, and the strong performance and not be concerned uh, about a, a a market downturn?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jeff. And you're right. What we're showing here is the S&P 500 low volatility index. And so it has big overweights to all those defensive sectors you just mentioned. And earlier in the program, I discussed, you know, sector rotation has really been the story of 2021. Not a lot of great relative trends. Well, the exception to that was actually this trend here. You can see since the market bottomed in March of 2020, March of 2020, straight underperformance. For those sectors, so really just avoiding the defensives and have some having some cyclical value and some quality growth has been the way to play it. And just underweight utilities and consumer staples and healthcare. Now this ratio is finally up above its 200-day moving average, but I think we need to have some perspective here and recognize that this is a short-term move. We're overbought, and so we're actually seeing underperformance today. And we would not be surprised to see some underperformance over the next couple of weeks. Over the more intermediate term, what the story might be is something I know you've talked a lot about, is maybe we're moving to mid-cycle. Maybe we've seen the worst of the underperformance, and we now don't need to just have no defensive exposure or be underweight every single defensive sector. But we're getting a little bit more mid-cycle where you kind of want to start balancing things out, but we still don't see an uptrend like we would expect in a true late-cycle we would see, we would expect to see months and months of outperformance uh, for this index and these types of sectors leading up to a recession or kind of the end of the um, bull market cycle. So we still, we don't think it's that, but maybe a transition to more of a mid-cycle environment. And we don't want to completely eschew all of these sectors. I mean, I know Jeff, you've talked a little bit about healthcare maybe being a preferred destination if you wanted to add some defensive exposure if this index were to pull
1: back. Yeah, absolutely. Healthcare, you know, I, I like a a good story, right? As, as a catalyst, um, you know, in addition to following the technicals and certainly following the earnings, um, which for healthcare are starting to get better. Uh, with the um, Build Back Better plan, at least for now off the table, there's actually some positives for healthcare. The reforms in that plan are mostly negative for healthcare, and so you take those off the table at least for now. They could come back, but if you take them off the table, uh, that could be a positive catalyst. So you know, healthcare is a defensive sector. It's been part of this defensive rally, relative rally uh, over the last um, month or two, and might be a place to look for for folks uh, building stock portfolios or just um, you know investing with sector ETFs. Uh, again, we like real estate. So you know, some balance is important here. Staying diversified. You know, a lot of you are probably pretty loaded up with the the tech type names that have been doing so well over the last couple of years. Maybe this is a time where it might make sense to diversify a little bit. Have some defensive sectors uh, to mix uh, with the um, with the cyclical. So we'll, we'll keep watching for this. It looks like you know maybe it's just a short term blip, and uh, you know we'll resume that trend toward the more economically sensitive areas doing better. Uh, Certainly um, some help from the uh, COVID news would be welcomed. So um, thank you for that, Scott. Um, This is certainly something we will be watching. So let's wrap it up by just previewing the week, what we're watching, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Omicron will be watching the statistics there in the US. Hopefully um, those cases do not translate into um, serious illness. I also mentioned the holiday shopping. You know, we're we we had a pretty good start and uh we think we're on track to have some really strong numbers, but we need to finish strong with December. Of course, a lot of uh shopping happens in uh, December. Actually, it continues into January with the gift cards, but hopefully um we'll get um some good uh some good numbers for December and that uh, COVID doesn't keep people away from uh the malls too much. Uh, we, we also get uh, the core PCE this this week. Uh, I believe that's on Thursday. The Fed's preferred inflation measure. You know, that'll probably tick up a, a little bit. It might tick up again next month, but we're really close to an inflation peak. We think it's going to maybe be a few months before people get comfortable that we've seen the worst. Uh, and, you know, before we start to see those inflation numbers cool, but uh, we do expect them to cool, uh, and uh, you know a lot of the inflation pressures are from temporary, you know, supply chain issues, material shortages, uh, the labor uh, supply challenges. You know, we've all seen the help wanted signs everywhere. Those will take a little bit longer to work through, but eventually we'll have more labor supply, and that um, we think can help take a little bit of the pressure off of wages. And uh, you know, by uh, let's see, let's say the spring. A few months, we think the picture there will look a lot better. And then, lastly, we touched on this a little bit consumer confidence. You know, you look at a lot of these surveys, and, um, you know, there's caution, right? It's not just uh, the investment side that we talked about earlier, it's also just, you know, regular people. And, you know, why are they not very confident? Well, COVID, obviously, also inflation, maybe just as obvious. But when you look at what people are spending, uh, what they're doing, the picture actually looks pretty good. So we're going to continue to watch what consumers are doing, not what they're saying. And we might end up with you a know, 7% uh, increase in consumer spending annualized in Q4. Uh, that's certainly what the consensus GDP numbers are telling us. Let's call it maybe somewhere in the 6 to 7% range. That's a really strong number. Uh, and. Um, Suggest maybe not getting too nervous uh, about some of those surveys. So anything else, Scott, you think um, investors should keep an eye on uh, this week, or um, should we just uh, start getting ready for the holidays, although I'm sure many of you have already started?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I I don't pay a ton of attention to the economic detail. My focus tends to be the price charts, but if we're basing uh, holiday shopping season on what my mother-in-law has bought for our 16-year-old girl, Sixteen-month-old baby, I'm looking for a beat in the holiday shopping season uh, and those retail sales numbers in December to be very, very strong.
1: Well, I uh, I think that's a great way, anecdotally, uh, to support our view, Scott. I think we're helping too. I have a 12-year-old daughter, and those of you who have a daughter that age or have had a daughter that age, you know, uh, many of them like expensive clothes uh Ryan Dietrich certainly can relate to this. So I can tell you um that some of those teen retailers might see a bump because of the bookbinder household talking about you know Abercrombie, um Aeropostale, Airy, you know, all of that. Lululemon um we're, we're helping some of those retailers. Not stock recommendations, mind you, but certainly uh our family uh doing its part. <laughs> so uh I hope everybody enjoys holiday shopping season and um, uh, and and get out there and spend, uh, be safe, but get out there and spend, support the economy. And certainly we all need uh, as much joy as we can dig up these days. So uh, with that, um, I'll go ahead and wrap. Um, so Scott, you and I talked about holiday plans uh, before we jumped on here. And we kind of skipped through that at the beginning. Uh, it sounds like you eat a lot during the holidays. And I do the same. Your metabolism is probably a little faster than mine, but, uh, you know, what kinds of, uh, delicious treats, uh, do you find at the Brown household?
2: Oh yeah. There, there, there's going to be a lot of eating. I don't know how great the metabolism is these days, but I'd say for, for Christmas day, uh, ham, mac and cheese uh some green bean casserole some cornbread dressing that there's a lot of essentials it's it should be a pretty full day of eating in the brown household
1: so for for me anything with mac and cheese is a winner so uh I, I like the sound of that we we do a lot of desserts we've got actually my daughter and i just my younger daughter and i just baked a cake the other day it was really good i was pretty proud of myself um so we're going to do you know cakes, cupcakes, brownies, pies, you know we we really focus on the sweets. The 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 meat you just kind of get your protein with that and move on to the good stuff. So uh maybe uh in January when we're back with you. We don't think we're going to do the podcast next week uh unless there's such outrage that you know Ryan and I feel compelled. Uh we'll probably take next week off and be back with you in January and we can maybe talk about all the sweets that we ate. So looking forward to uh, to that um, so uh, let's go ahead and then there, Scott, just thanks so much for for jumping on and filling in for, uh, for Ryan. Um, we, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Love, you know, you and I complement each other well. I bring the sort of fundamental story. You bring the technical story. And that's what it's all about, seeing the full picture uh, we think makes you better investors. So great discussion. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, again, we expect to be back with you in two weeks for the next edition of Market Signals where you will see uh, Ryan Dietrich back with us. Uh, Enjoy the holidays, everybody, and uh, we'll see you then.
0: This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor, that is not an LPL affiliate. Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.